Blog Talk Radio. Not my country. My country is me and my family. Countries also. Huerta. The governor. The landlords. Gunterus and his locusts. This little revolution we're having here. Revolution? Revolution, please don't try to tell me about revolution. I know all about the revolutions and how they start. The people that read the books, they go to the people that don't read the books. They put people and say, Oh, oh the time has come to have a change. Eh? I know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the revolutions. The people who read the books, or the people who can't read the books, the poor people and say, We have to have a change. So the poor people make the change, huh? And then the people who read the books, they all sit around the big polished tables and they talk and talk and talk and eat and eat and eat. Huh? But what has happened to the poor people? They're dead! Uh-oh. That's your revolution. So please, don't tell me about revolutions. Tell yourself that you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not point fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. A palace in which there is no king or queen or dukes or earls or princes, but subjects all, subjects beholden to each other to make a better place to live. Is that too much to ask? Are we asking too much? Is it beyond our reach? Because if it is, then we are nothing but sheep being herded to the final slaughterhouse. I will not go down that way. I choose to fight back. I choose to rise, not fall. I choose to live, not die. And I know, I know that what's within me is also within you. That's why I ask you now. Join me. Rise up with me. Rise up on the wings of this plane angel. We'll rebuild on the soul of this little warrior. We will pick up his
in the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberty or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals, so that security and liberty may prosper together. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. That I do not intend to permit to the extent that it's in my control. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. We have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. George Bush has invoked a new world order without enunciating a new American purpose. Bush kept said, and it's a phrase that I often use myself, that we needed a new world order, and instead it looks like we got a lot of disorder. Today we take an essential step in defeating terrorism while protecting the constitutional rights of all Americans. Preventing mass terror will be the responsibilities of presidents far into the future. The Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. These are not simply words written into aging parchment. They are the foundation of liberty and justice in this country. This is an ideological battle. Some people believe in globalism, others of us believe in national sovereignty. It's a contest between ideologies, whether we believe in our institutions here, our national sovereignty, our constitution, or are we going to further move in the direction of international government? It's just knowledge is out there. If we look for it, you'll realize that our national sovereignty is under threat. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. All right, everybody. Joseph Gibson podcasting here. First day in the times in which we live today.
be live here uh, shortly. Got me a few uh, corrective uh, reports here, and uh, we're going to uh, go ahead and uh, get the show underway and uh, understanding the times in which we live today. Can we all really fully anticipate our future? Can we really live at the uh, doorstep of uh, freedom and tyranny? Or, you know, we got freedom and tyranny right outside your door. I mean, well, I, these word phrases, these words that we use, the history that we learn from, the evidence that's there is well documented. Created for a people that are, as you say, just choosing to be free. That's why they came here. They weren't shot, thrown in the ocean, and uh, come over to America for what? Because they were explored to have a new land, a land for freedom. But the, the, the powers to be have brought our founders over here to the shores of this North American continent here, and we call it America, the United States. And there's a long history that's do that. And how we tell that history and how we teach others that history of what we will know and what we've learned from ourselves, decipher what is true, and try to figure out exactly where we're heading to understand what tomorrow is going to bring. We can't sit here for certain, understand what is happening around everywhere and to us today. We know, but really, do we? I mean, I just don't understand where a lot of these comments come in from, where people ask these questions, and we've been covering this for so long, and people should fully understand all these. We talked about this last night briefly. This uh, We touched upon it. The, I guess you could say, uh, uh, the, just uh, the backbone of what we really stand for. And some people probably want to call in right now and give their opinion, or they just don't want to say anything, or they just think that the services that were being, this is just one example of a business or a company that's taking the things that you barter with, which is money, Federal Reserve notes, and using it for their profit or gain for a service that they're not really disclosing to you to be true. So how do we fight? Hello all in the chat room. I suppose you can hear me tonight in the chat room there. Just want to acknowledge there we do see you in the chat room. Uh, I know there's people come and go. And, uh, you know, I've been having audio problems. I lost my whole train of thought here for a second there, but, uh, you know, you never know. But uh, anyway, uh, back to my thing here, my intro. You know, I, I don't have all the answers. I don't have, uh, I guess you could say, the power I don't have the influence to uh, show all of you or tell all of you the answers that we strive for to succeed in life. I got a little few documentaries here tonight. I'm going to play. Uh, we're going to decide. We're going to examine solitary confinement in prisons. Solitary confinement. A very, very dark place to spend moments of your life there and under full control. 
So I'm going to get that pulled up here in a couple minutes. We're going to go into that, and then, of course, we'll generate the open phones, which is the uh, 657-380-616. Press number one, and you can get in here connected. Press number one, and you'll be connected to me live. Talk about anything you want to talk about. And uh, we usually do get a very large platform here where we get you know people calling in, whether it be good or bad intentions, but the platform is here for you to talk to and say the things that you feel is necessary to be truthful, to understand the times in which you live today. Go ahead there, Mike. Is you there? There? No? Are you there? Out there? No? You don't want to press number one right now? All right, that's fine. All right. Um, all right. Uh, play a quick commercial here, and then uh, we'll begin on with the show. I'm kind of lost here in... Uh, trying to know where, which direction here to go uh, for the podcast here tonight, but uh, I usually start off with a good talking point, how they take advantage of it, I don't know, but uh, let's see, I don't have any rap. no, all right, okay, that's fine, all right, all right, uh, I, have, I see people don't see what I see, that's why they don't see my call board in my studio, all right, we'll be back here in a couple minutes, okay, and uh, begin the podcast here, understand the times in which we live today, everybody. into this room at your own risk, because it leads to the future, not a future that will be, but one that might be. This is not a new world. It is simply an extension of what began in the old one. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. It has refinements, technological advances, and a more sophisticated approach the destruction of human freedom. But like every one of the super states that preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. Hey everybody, Joseph Gibson podcasting here, understanding the times in which we live today. Phone number six five seven three eight three zero six one six. You plus pressed one on your platform, but the device, whatever you got there, you can't save one. I, I know it aggravates people and whatnot, and, but I was just covering this actually in the intro. We're all so busy going here, going there, you know, walking over who we can to get where we got to live, and a uh, family member of mine was like, Joe, I can't believe this happened to us, of course, my house, you know, stuff like that. You always get these stories, you know. <laughs> used to get them when I was a kid. I remember when we used to get the, get the stories, you know? So, uh, anyway, all right. I'm rambling on here. Um, we got to try to uh, try to patch this through here, this little story here. Uh, but I want to talk about the uh, prisons and solitary confinement. If anyone's ever been in prison or they've been in solitary confinement, it's a, a maddening uh, experience. It will drive you totally uh, insane. 
And real people say, well, I don't got nothing to worry about. I don't have to worry about that. I'm never going to jail. I mean, I'm not going to get kidnapped and locked up. Well, they won't say that, but I'm just putting that in there. But, uh, you know, this, uh, it's, it's, it's a place there where that you're molding men and women out there to interact with other people and not in a good way. The outcome is just usually almost always no good.
It's not a birth certificate, Candy. And people are trying to figure out why isn't he giving his birth certificate. It's not a birth certificate. What exactly happened on 9-11? How did they know who did this so quickly like they did Lee Harvey Oswald? The official story of Sandy Hook has more holes in it than Swiss cheese. Tonight we start with proof the deep state is real in America. Conspiracy theories have taken center stage in American politics today. But then we noticed a virus. This is a planetary takeover plan. Fauci and Bill Melinda Gates own the virus. They patented it two years Final ago. Testing. So when you're tested, it gives them an opportunity to contaminate. False flag events to then mandate mandatory vaccines. You've heard three or four different concepts as to how it came out. When the coronavirus pandemic hit America, frontline filmmaker Michael Kirk was already working on a film investigating the role of political conspiracy theories in our democracy. There's been a kind of concerted effort now that everything has moved from the fringe. Once again, we're not a democracy. We're not a democracy. But they call us a democracy. And how many people up there want to raise their hand? How many people calling in right now? Joe, 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 we're not a democracy. We're not a democracy. But yet, they just continue on with that. But anyway, let's get into our prison system, prisons, prisons in America. Uh, solitary confinement is a place or a way of punishing or deterring an inmate from acting out within the, the uh, prison that he's in. These are not correctional institutions. These are, quite frankly, warehouses, warehouses or torture centers. That's another good name for them, actually. That just popped into my head. Torture centers. Uh, some of these inmates, oh, oh, let's not even say it's uh, some. Uh, let's just put it this way. If you've ever been in any type of jail or prison, or if you're an inmate, or if you've done time, any type of shape, way, form, or whatever, or you're going to court and may face you time, you need to call into this show here within the next two hours. And uh, tell us a little something of what you know. I'm extending that invitation out to everybody who is interested in uh, basically uh, learning or seeing how they can make a change peacefully and lawfully here in uh, North Carolina. You know, I just wanted to let you know that. <laughs> all right, well, anyway. All right, all right, let's go here. All right, um, let's get this documentary up here. All right, let's go here. Um, okay, I'm gonna need about a minute and 33 seconds. Hey, it's live radio, folks. You know, uh, I, you know, I lost my my header here for my platform here for tonight, so I'm kind of winging it. Um, but uh, give me about a minute and 30 seconds. I'll have this uh, documentary pulled up here for you about solitary confinement in prisons in, oh, let's see, uh, United States of America here. And remember now, we have over what is it? What's the numbers out there? 2.5 million people incarcerated? Is that it? Is that the exact numbers? You know, I know for a fact that we are a country that uh, imprisons more people than any other country per, per uh, you know, you, uh, numbers of people within the country and versus the people that are not in the country and versus the fact that we have more laws and more freedoms than most other countries. So, therefore, we have more opportunities to be taken advantage of and or... Uh, access to rapid corruption. Um, that is a... It's just amazing that a country that has so much but yet treats its people so little. 
I mean, everything is kept away from us. Everything is kept in the dark. So we can't examine the facts or the record for itself. And that's dangerous, folks. That's dangerous. And that's not transparency. So phone number six five seven three eight three zero six one six. Press number one. I'm going to uh, get this documentary up going. I promised you I would get it for you, so just give me uh, a couple minutes here, and I will have that up. But let's play this one here, a little humor here. Life is filled with interesting things. That's why I could never commit suicide. I'm having too much fun keeping an eye on you folks, watching what you do, human behavior. That's what I like. Humans do some really interesting things. Like besides killing ourselves, we also kill each other. Murder. And we're the only ones who do that, by the way. Humans are the only species on earth that deliberately kills members of another species for personal gain. Or pleasure. Sometimes it's just fun. We're also the only species that deliberately kills members of another species for personal gain. Or pleasure. That's what hunters do. They kill for pleasure. That's us. Human beings. Interesting folks. Murderers. Here's an interesting form of murder we come up with. Assassination. You know what's interesting about assassination? Well, not only does it change those popularity polls in a big fucking hurry, but it's also interesting to notice who it is we assassinate. Do you ever notice who it is? Stop to think of who it is we kill. It's always people who've told us to live together in harmony and try to love one another. Jesus, Gandhi, Lincoln, John Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, John Lennon, they all said, try to live together peacefully. Bam! Apparently, we're not ready for that. Yeah, that's difficult behavior for us. Not too bright, folks. Not too bright. But if you talk to one of them about this, if you isolate one of them, you sit them down rationally, and you talk to them about the low IQs and the dumb behavior and the bad decisions, right away they start talking about education. That's the big answer to everything. Education. They say, we need more money for education. We need more, more, more books, more teachers, more classrooms, more schools. Uh, we need more testing for the kids. You say to them, well, you know, we've tried all of that, and the kids still can't pass the test. You say, oh, don't you worry about that. We're going to lower the passing grades. That's what they do in a lot of these schools now. They lower the passing grades so more kids can pass. More kids pass. The school looks good. Everybody's happy. The IQ of the country slips another two or three points. And pretty soon, all you'll need to get into college is a pencil. <laughs> Got a pencil? Get in there. It's physics. Then everyone wonders why 17 other countries graduate more scientists than we do. Education. Politicians know that word. They use it on you. Politicians have traditionally hidden behind three things. The flag, the Bible, and children. No child left behind. No child left behind. Oh, really? Well, it wasn't long ago you were talking about giving kids a head start. Head start, left behind. Someone's losing some ground here. <laughs> but there's a reason. There's a reason. There's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks. And it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The big, re the wealthy, the real owners, the big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. They're, they're, they're irrelevant. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. 
They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the State Houses, the City Halls. They've got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media, media news, all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interests. That's right. You know something? They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table and figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your Social Security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. By the way, it's the same big club they use to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged. And nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Good, honest, hard-working people, white-collar, blue-collar, it doesn't matter what color shirt you have on. Good, honest, hard-working people continue. These are people of modest means. Continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all. At all. At all. Man. You know? And nobody seems to notice, nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on, the fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dick that's being jammed up their assholes every day. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. But say what you want about American folks. Yeah. You can uh, say what you want about Americans. You can call them smart, dumb, ignorant, innocent, naive, gullible, easily led, whatever you want. You're going to have to deal with them. You're going to have to deal with them because you're in the television business now. You got the All Suicide Channel on cable TV. Here we go. Understanding the times in which we live today. Back on the air here live. All right, let's get the uh, documentary going here. Finally, finally, I was able to get it up. I don't know what it is with these technical difficulties here lately, but I apologize, certainly, wholeheartedly. Let's get them going here. Solitary confinement inside the prisons of this country. We're not supposed to do it, but we do it. It's kind of funny. We're just bored. we got to have something to do. You want to make sure somebody's around. Send notes, letters, medications, and uh, sometimes razor blades. 
my belief is the use of segregation has its place when you have real dangerous prisoners, but from my perspective, it is overused throughout the United States. For the normal person who doesn't work in a facility like this, they're going to be thinking, if you punish him, you're going to make him better. And the reality is the exact, the exact opposite happens. Putting them in confinement and forgetting about them is essentially going to make it worse. There's no question in my mind. If I have somebody that comes in with a five-year commitment, you can have them do their whole time in segregation, uh, but I don't want them living next to me when you release them. I think we need to make every attempt at moving them out of, of those cells and moving them into general population. I want you out on the other side of that door, because that's good for you to be on this side of the door, not that side. All right? So we got to find a way to get you out so you're not fighting with people. We have some very, very dangerous prisoners. So on the surface, it might look crazy. Uh, but the reality is 80% of these inmates are going to be hit in the street. OK, so we can either make them worse Okay, and create more victims when they go on the street, or we can rehabilitate them. I'm Adam Brula, 10-28-17. I've been in prison since November 28th of 2012. Got into a lot of fights in school. Started drinking at 17. Did in huge fights at parties, like three on one, winning. And everybody thought I was the coolest kid, so I just kept on doing it and doing it. And then I went too far, and I broke a kid's jaw in seven places with one punch. That landed me an aggravated assault. I just went overboard. That's why I'm down here. I freaked out. I was screaming. I started punching stuff. I got maced and tackled. They're trying to say I started a riot. And they brought me down here. I've been down here two days now. I like SAG. I can handle being locked down 23 hours a day because I can read. I can write, I can do push-ups. Most of the time, I just chill. You gotta relax. You can't get yourself wound up because you can't leave that room. Sounds good to my standards. <laughs> I'm always at this window, so I like the window to be clean. My face touches it, my hand touches it. Yeah, it sucks, but I think I'm doing good.
is all night. I got hardcore ADD and I'm about to leave in five months. I don't know where I'm gonna go. I don't know where I'm gonna work. I don't know how I'm gonna get a car. I still got a thousand dollars to pay with no car, no job. When you settle down in your room and you really just start thinking, just bang, 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 all at once. And I need just trying to get some medication to slow that down for now, but that's really the problem. This really kind of f***ed my head. has the most fascinating history in the United States. The United States was actually the leader in modern times of introducing solitary confinement to the world. It was actually introduced by the Quakers as a noble experiment in rehabilitation. There was a belief that you could put a prisoner in his own solitary cell, freed from the evil influences of modern society, and if you put them in that cell, they would become like a penitent monk, free to come close to God and to their own inner being, and they would naturally heal, heal from the evils of the outside society. It was a noble experiment. That was an absolute catastrophe. By the 1830s, statistical evidence began to accumulate that there was an inordinate incidence of psychosis suicide and that people just deteriorated. By 1890, there was major condemnation of the institution by the United States Supreme Court. And so the experiment with solitary confinement gradually diminished as uh, evidence 
became unmistakable that uh, this was causing disastrous psychiatric consequences. On our special segment tonight, the subject is overcrowding, prison overcrowding. The state has the nation's largest prison system and also one of the most overcrowded. Outdated, overcrowded, and near a state of crisis. With three times so after the Quakers' experiment, the United States abandoned the use of solitary confinement. Uh, but then in the 1970s, we began to put unprecedented numbers of people in prison. And so you had terribly overcrowded conditions and prisons that looked like they were about to become out of control. Prison populations reached an all-time high in this country last month, and one prison burst under the strain. Then made set fire to 13 buildings and then attacked prison guards. The other thing that happened is that there were increasing numbers of mentally ill prisoners coming into the prison system. Their behavior was harder to understand, it was harder to control. Prison systems didn't have the resources to properly deal with them. Marion, America's toughest prison. Conditions are so tense, officials now say the prison is in a virtual state of siege. In October 1983, two inmates already serving life sentences murdered two guards in the same cell block the same day. Well, in 1983, there were two officers uh, within 24 hours that were killed by the Aryan Brotherhood. The staff at Marion were completely demoralized. They felt that we had to do something to protect them from these inmates, and we had to do something to protect inmates from these inmates. The bureau director got involved and said, lock it down. It wasn't just a day, it wasn't a week, it was a permanent lockdown. The entire prison was locked down. That is, every man was confined to his cell to restore order. Now there is nearly one guard for every inmate. Unruly inmates can be chained to their concrete slab beds for hours, even days. The high security, the lockdown, was created out of necessity to maintain control of the inmates, confidence, and protection of the staff that have to face these kinds of individuals on a daily basis. We never wavered our belief that this was a necessity. Their response to it was to employ very large-scale solitary confinement, put a ton of people in solitary, which took away opportunities for programming, opportunities for social interaction. And that model of utter total control and harsh punishment took off in the United States so that over time we've developed more and more supermax prisons where everyone's in solitary confinement. I think segregation to a point does correct behavior. For the people who felt we were too hard or harsh, well, what alternatives did we have? What choices did we have? Our job is to protect the inmates and the staff and to allow people to get to their time and go out as respectable citizens, that type of thing. But what are you going to do with those people who don't want that to happen? If you got a better answer, I wish we did. I always, I always said, you know, I wish we had some social medicine or a magic wand that we could use to correct people's behavior, but there's no such thing.
terms. He's going to have to demonstrate the behaviors that we're looking for before we're ready to reintegrate him in general population. He's going to have to show us and demonstrate to us that the likelihood of him being involved with an assault or a crime is diminished significantly. Listen, you got four months left. You stop behaving and we'll figure something out. Let me tell you that if you put some behavior together, then we'll take a look at, at some point, moving you out of here so you can be released. Richard Stahersky, 29297. Was convicted of robbery, and a crime of violence, and possession of a stolen firearm. Sir. I was always getting in trouble as a kid. Pretty much, I grew up around violence. And when I was real young, I was in a place for young kids. Who have like behavior problems and whatnot. And then when I was 17, I went to a regular prison. I did most of it in sec. I think it had an effect on me. Because it made me where I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Enough. And then it just progressed from there. Got out, went in. Got out, went in. Then I ended up in sec here. 2003, I was out in population and I stabbed an inmate 23 times. I got placed in segregation and stabbed another inmate out here in the red cages and assaulted a bunch of COs, lit a couple fires, escaped out of my cell. You name it, I've done it. And then they let me back out to population. 
honest with you, I was worried out. Because you're in a cell 23 hours a day. You're not used to people walking behind you, talking to you real loud, and getting out felt really weird. Kind of like first day at school, except like the time's worse. You know what I mean? It's weird being around groups of people after being so segregated for so long.
Get out of this egg. I think my character's pretty good overall. If you don't want to change, you ain't going to change. is to continue to provide him with the opportunity to change. And I don't hesitate on a decision at all. All right, you got somebody got to get off. You never can tell what's going to change somebody around, whether it's a five-minute discussion or 300 hours of therapy. Essentially, I still believe that, that we can change. I'm happy, content, but if I stab somebody and I get shipped out all over again, I really don't care. My realistic own plan is to live as good as I can in here. That is my plan. I'm just hanging out. That's what I'm doing. Hanging out, making the best of that situation. Find why we don't like to use segregation. Uh, but sometimes it's necessary. Mr. Brulot was engaged in some very, very serious behavior while he was in general population. So without a doubt, it was the right place for him. Did he spend too long inside? You know, that's a real hard question to answer. There's a lot of gray here in some of the decisions that we make. There's no exact science to any one of these guys. You have to try to figure them out as we go along. But ultimately, when we're moving him back into the general population, you know, we have to be certain that the staff are going to be safe, that the other inmates are going to be safe, and that he's going to be safe. Before you went to SEC, did you ever imagine that you would cut yourself like that? No. Never. <laughs> I didn't even know what it was. I seen a couple people doing it, so then I started doing it. I'm gonna try to be normal again. When I was done, I walked up to the desk. The female that was on had her back to me through the two shanks on the desk. And I told her, I said, I'm not here to hurt you. I held my hands up like this and go, I'm going to turn around, put my head behind my back, cuff me. I turned around, put my hands behind my back, she froze up. I think she was kind of little in shock. She didn't know what the hell was going on. She's like, is that your blood? Is that somebody's blood? Is that yours? I said, hello, don't ask no questions, just cuff me up, call your coat. Am I a violent inmate? 
I can be, yes. You put me in certain situations, I am going to be like that. And the numbers have continued to go down in the SEG unit. So that tells me that we're doing a better job at keeping people out and of getting them out sooner. I also think that we're doing a better job of equipping them when they leave so that they, they have more of a chance of being successful uh, when they return to their housing unit. But quite honestly, even as a psychologist, I tell you that we're never going to compromise safety and security for the staff or for the offenders in the name of treatment. It has to be a balancing act. Significantly decrease it, largely by, by just not punishing it. Um, so that was the first change in culture, that, that you know, punishment doesn't work. Now it's all about treatment. How do we work together so that you get better? Right. And we will do whatever is necessary to make you better. That's very mature. You're 20? Mature. Yeah. Mature. It's not mature. It's mature. I tell everybody that. Mr. Fickett is still pretty young, so you still had a chance to look at some potential change for him. So do you feel the same? So he's been psyched for four times, five times, but each time he leaves, he's moved further. He's really kind of getting it. He realizes we didn't send him a seg to, to really show him who's boss and kick him in the ass. It's been a seg because you really messed up. Uh, we, we're not going to let you hurt people. We're not going to let you do this. Um, that's not helpful to you as a human being. It's not going to get you out of here. Uh, and we're going to stop you. And we'll stop you every time. And then we're going to move you forward again. we're successful, sometimes we're not. You know? Maybe not permanently, but it won't be easy to change back. I mean, as far as functioning in the real world, I think it's affect me in extreme ways. And I was out for six months, and I still couldn't go into Walmart without either being high or having a panic attack. Like, it may just be because I've spent so much time out of the real world, but my honest opinion is because it's it's because I've spent so much time in a cell by myself. But you definitely feel paranoid when you get out at the beginning. It was too much for me, way too much for me. I ran away, didn't want to deal with anything, don't think I could at the time. And I met up with my cousin Mikey and we bought a tent and some camping equipment and went out in the middle of the woods and camped there for like six months because I couldn't handle it out here. Couldn't handle getting an apartment, couldn't get a job. So I had no money, no transportation, no nothing. A week went by, we had a nice little fortress made up out there. All camoed out. I don't know, it just makes you totally relax sitting out there. No way in hell is someone's going to show up out there, unless they're lost. Don't have to answer to anybody. Me and one other person, pretty much a cellmate out in the woods. Is what we called each other, cellies. <laughs> I just wanted to 
see me, myself, and get my head right. And I couldn't do that with people around, so the woods helped. Both of us don't want him to go back. I know he won't. It helps hearing it, though. Every once in a while, you need to hear it.
I don't think I'm a psychopath. Uh, I think I made some serious, dangerous decisions in my life. I guess everybody's like, oh, man, he's real dangerous. So I can't go anywhere around here without them thinking I'm Hannibal Lecter. They don't trust me as far as they can throw me. I don't blame them. But no, I don't think I'm a psychopath. I ain't crazy. I'm just misunderstood. Crime and correction. What is the answer to 
bettering our society, uh, helping out your next-door neighbor. And we ask this question always on this podcast, understanding the times in which we live today, to help better ourselves or better the, the uh, society or our or our, our culture or our people or uh, our government or whatnot, try, trying to find answers. But people, we hear it on this show also. We hear the idiots out there. You have the people don't have – and then you see uh, nobody has time. Nobody wants, to, nobody wants to correct the situations that we're in until the problem smacks us right upside the head because it will sooner or later. It will affect you, these things that we talk about here. This particular problem will affect somebody that's listening here tonight or that's on the call tonight. It did affect me in my life also. And and it's absolutely true. It's nobody understands and nobody gets it. And until it happens to you or them, nobody's going to talk about it and nobody's going to really come up with the solution or solutions to change. And the problem, the real sad problem is uh, at the end of the day is is the children out there that we leave behind when we think we have all the answers or try to fun- come up with solutions. It's the children that we're letting down. We're letting down the younger generation. And it's all about selfishness. We are a selfish, selfish people. You know, because we sit there and say one thing, but yet we do something different. We're quick to point our fingers, but not take any of the blame. And I think that's the best way for me to analyze what just I played there, if anyone was able to stay on the call long enough to hear it. So uh, phone number 657-383-0616. And again, this is an aspect of understanding the times which we live today, and it's something that we really need to address as a people. And I believe solitary confinement. You know, let me throw one number out there. Between the years 2011 and 2017, you know, I don't even want to put this number out there. It's so disgusting. But, you know, inmates, you know, Inmates in, the, in solitary confinement are out of, let's see, eight out of 100 are rehabilitated. Okay, and that's eight out of 100 are rehabilitated. That's eight people out of 100. That's crazy. That's in one state. That's a, okay, that that number comes from. Imagine across the country what the numbers are. I mean, imagine taking 100 people to send them to to the Department of Corrections and only eight are uh, rehabilitated. Now, what's what's their definition of rehabilitated? Not returning to prison? Not returning to segregation? Well, it's not returning back to segregation. That's not even being rehabilitated in the terms that we look at as a society as not going back to jail and and getting back on your feet and getting a job and starting a family and doing the right thing. (laughs) So that's pretty sad. That's pretty sad. Pretty sad in a a, a country that has so much. Let me check the phone boards here. Anybody wants to call in here, 657-383-0616. Press number one, and we'll get you live here on the podcast. I'm going to take my first call here. We'll go to 314. Go ahead. 314. Go ahead. You're live. 
Mr. Gibson, how are you tonight? Doing all right. How are you? Well, I can't get some hosts on some shows that realize that you, Mr. Gibson, are being blamed for something that you don't even have any power or control over. (laughs) What would that be? (laughs) One is the control of the police of a community. Okay. And another is the curriculum in a school district. This is black host that have come on and saying that the days, and I imagine when they say the days, Mr. Gibson, they're talking about you, dummy down the curriculum. Okay. Now, let me, let me ask you something. When I read this, who do you, is, are they talking about you when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to the uh, the school district you live in, but what about other school districts? Now, listen to this. This is Missouri State Statutes, Chapter 160, 160.516, titled Curriculum, Textbooks, and Other Instruction Material, Not to be Mandated by State Board or Department Exceptions. Now, listen to this. Not with, notwithstanding the provisions of Section 160514, the State Board of Education and the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education shall not be authorized to mandate and are expressly prohibited from mandating the curriculum, textbooks, and other instructional materials to be used in public schools. And it says, each local school board shall be responsible for the approval and adoption of curriculum used by the school district. Now, let me ask you something. If that curriculum appears to be a dummy down, and this is a black school district, well, are you, Mr. Gibson, a white man? Is that your responsibility? You don't even live in the school district. Whose responsibility is that, Mr. Gibson? Well, I, 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 I mean, I don't, I don't know, to be honest with you whose responsibility it would be. I mean, if I don't live there and I'm not partaking in that, uh, that uh, or I don't have any children in that school district or I'm not on the board or I'm not making any decisions. But, yeah, I mean, if it's a part of my country or my state or my community, and uh, I guess it would be my responsibility to, to be alerted or, or to probably take notice and examine what's going Mr. on Gibson. there. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of like a loaded question in a way. I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Gibson, I just read what the law says. The law says is that you, the parent, stakeholder, family of that district, you are responsible for the curriculum, textbooks, and instructional material. Not the State Board of Education nor the second, Elementary and Secondary Board of Education. It's you. If we're talking about a black district, it's you, black folks. That's your responsibility. Not Mr. Gibson's responsibility. He's responsible in the district he live in. Okay, if you're talking about individual, okay, if you're talking about the education itself or the curriculum that they're teaching, um, yeah, I mean, I guess they would say that, um, I don't like really categorizing people, though, saying, you know, that that's just the blacks or that's just the whites. 
I mean, you know what I mean? That's I who like, live you know in the I mean? district, Mr. Gibson. I mean, not live in the district, I, yeah. That's just the but, way the district is But those people that are being taught that in that district are going to move elsewhere in the country, though, maybe one day, and it's going to affect me, right? Well, it's, that's not the point. The point is, is that you got people that blame you for what's not happening in a particular district, and these are the ones I'm make mention is black. Well, it's Normandy, Jennings, Ferguson, Florissant. You've heard of Ferguson, but I'm sure. These are majority, super majority black districts. And the law is telling the people of those districts, you have the power over what your child is being taught or not taught. That's not so what, Mr. What, Gibson, so what, how would you, the proverbial day. Then? Okay. Well, what would you suggest then? How would that? It, well, what? How would we fix this then? You think, in your opinion, how? Would well, we this fix is what this? I would say: is this? They need to stop blaming you, Mr. Gibson, for what is not happening in their school district, where they have been provided the exclusive authority over what goes on. Not you, Mr. Gibson, the white man, stop on a proverbial okay, day. Okay, I got you. I got you. Okay, that makes sense. Do you understand? Yeah, now I got you fully, 100%. Okay. Yeah, yeah they're blaming I, I, you. And guess what your title is? You are the what? proverbial day. Let me read something else to you, too, real quick. Okay. Section 1. <clears throat> 1, Section 3. This is the Missouri Constitution, which was ratified in 1875. It says this, powers of the people over internal affairs, constitution, and form of government. Now, they're talking to a municipality, which the constitution of a state allows and permits municipalities, villages, and cities to exist, to form and exist. Now listen to what this law says. That the people of this state shall have the inherent, sole, and exclusive right to regulate the internal government, and get this, Mr. Gibson, the police thereof, and to alter and abolish their constitution and form of government whenever they may deem it necessary to their safety and happiness provided such change does not repugnant to the Constitution of the United States. What did it say about the police, Mr. Gibson? That you have the power to regulate the police. (laughs) It's not saying that you, Mr. Gibson, who have been given the proverbial title of day, day, Francis, like in Ferguson. Ferguson was a majority black population. And in 2014, when Mike Brown was justifiably killed by Derek Wilson, who had came from Jennings, an adjacent town, the people of that town, being the majority black, if they chose to, if they felt discomfort with, they had the power to change the police department. They had the power to set the rules, regulations by which they operate. Not the federal government, Barack Obama, or whether it was Ronald Reagan, 
or we can go back to Franklin Delano Roosevelt. It was the people of that community, which happened to be black, and not your responsibility, Mr. Gibson, being that you are being labeled today, saying that it's your excuse. It's your reason they, why you, I come. Now, now you're using that in, in a, a broad. You're using that in a broad uh, uh, synopsis type of way, where they didn't really call out my name and as an individual. They used oh me as a, no, I'm just you, using you because okay. you're a white man. Oh, okay, okay. So it's all white people. Okay, so it's, 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 my no, name is Thomas, no. White, what it is is what it is. Okay. is they blame white people. I got you. I got you. Well, that's interesting. You know, that's interesting. They blame uh, white Sarge, people. <laughs> they blame uh, white people for, for what's not going on when they themselves have the power. They have been given the authority well, lack of to make it. You know, it's all accountability. Right. Everyone wants to pass the buck on somebody else. You know what I mean? And unless you, fault, but, uh, you and, and until you, and I've told you this before, until you start telling them that, see, then they won't get it. They don't believe me. Well, yeah. Well, I kind <laughs> Go of ahead and bring some of Yeah, well, I kind of, like, the, that's why I was talking about prisons also here, you know, the, the prisons here tonight and the Department of Corrections. You know, everything is past the buck, past the buck down to somebody else. We have problems here that nobody wants to stand up and take individual responsibility for and and have, and look at it and paint, use the paintbrush as to broad, broaden it out and say we're all in this together. We all got to fix this problem. Stop saying you know it's this one, that one, or this one. And 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 yet we want to punish somebody, or we just want to punish one group of people, or you know for the problems that we all have created together in a way. It's not. I got an answer for it, like but go ahead that. to your next caller. <laughs> okay, I'll let you ponder that for a minute. Uh, but, yeah, again, uh, just real quick, that's what we're talking about, too, also, though, tonight, the prisons and whatnot. And look, this is a problem that we face. We have, we're, we're a sick country here that needs to be healed, uh, but we have to be healed by fixing the problem. So I'll take on another caller here. Private caller, go ahead. Yes, Joe, uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you fine. Go ahead. Oh, okay, because I didn't hear the unmuted. Uh, yeah, people have been saying that lately. Yesterday, been, they're not hearing the unmuted yeah, thing. Yeah, so, I didn't so, hear it. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yesterday I was listening to your show in the nighttime, and I uh, believe it's uh, one of the callers is from Washington. And yes. he was talking about how, yeah, uh, about how they want, like, robots uh, to patrol the city. Um, yep. Have you ever seen Have you ever seen uh, the documentary called Shadowgate? It's by uh, Millie Weaver. Um, she used to work for uh, Jones uh, for like Infowars, and they talk about that. How uh, one of the people that worked under like Obama, uh, he's one of the uh, directors that has a lot of money in that uh, on those robots, and towards the end of the like, documentary uh she gets into that and she and she actually shows like the robots like being used and um and that's all that I wanted to say cuz uh because I was just uh, tripping out on that you know okay all right well I'm only, uh, uh I don't remember the caller last night that brought that up but I do know about robots and 
a little bit there, AI and uh, the programs out there. I mean, there was, I think there was a caller that we had one time. I think that was the one from Washington where we talked about the robots that they're using in factories now, especially in Europe, and one of the robots actually murdered somebody. Uh, so that's another aspect. Maybe yeah. they're going to have robots as prison guards soon, you know, watching us. Or keep, or maybe yeah, that's probably. the whole society is going to be. Robots are going to be watching us, telling us what to do. We'll be enslaved by robots, you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. you never know. I mean, look, they want to dwindle the population down to 500 million so they can manage it better. We know that. The Georgia Guidestones say that. So. Oh, yeah. And they're doing a good job with the prison systems right now because, look, we got millions of people incarcerated, you know. So, uh, you know, hey, we're one big prison planet, I guess, pretty soon, you know. But, uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's scary. It's scary. That's crazy. You know? Yeah. 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 But, uh, hey, I'll put you back yeah. on mute, and if you want to come back in, you just uh, press 1, and uh, I'll get you back on, okay? Okay. Okay, cool. Thank you very All much. All right, man. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Uh, next caller, private caller. Go ahead. Yeah, Joe. Oh, boy. Uh, one thing about following Bianchi, he simplifies what I need to say. So I'll go on okay. to some things, other things going on that um, I'd like to bring to your attention. And sure. And what? It's what came out today in the so-called insurrection hearings. Talk about political pornography and propaganda. This had to take the cake. This was really something to see. If you haven't seen it, you got to go back and look at it. Talk about a Soviet-style show trial. Anyway. Well, that's a good topic, actually. That's a coincides with my topic tonight about prisons. We got... For what four or five hundred of men and women across the country that are locked in solitary confinement right now uh, from uh, participating in the Washington D.C. They're <laughs> using these insurrection hearings to provide the justification for it. And wow. let me tell you what went down today with a congressman from Oklahoma, a so-called Republican named Mark Wayne Mullen. He was on C-SPAN today, and he commended. Did you hear what I said? C-O-M-M-E-N-D, commended, well, E-D, add E-D to it, the Capitol Police officer shot and killed Ashley Babbitt. Now, this is what he said, and I'm quoting. After it happened, he came over. He was physically and emotionally distraught. I actually gave him a hug, and I said, sir, you did what you had to do. He went on to suggest, that Babbitt, who refused to name, he didn't even name the victim. He didn't say anything about Babbitt. He said Babbitt was going to steal that officer's gun and use it against him. And then he went on to say how he hugged this cop who shot Babbitt and told him that, quote, he did what he had to do. Now, let me tell you something, Joe. I'd like to know where this song, number one, Gets off nominating himself to be a spokesman for this cop. Number two, to be a spokesman for the Capitol Police. And number three, to read Ashley Babbitt's mind because she never made it through the window frame. She was shot dead before she even got through the window frame. Uh, yeah, I had well, that What was the time to read her yeah. mind before she yeah. got killed? Yeah. I had that last night on, actually, where they shot. I, 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 actually, you guys couldn't see the video. Did you hear this, but I was this playing congressman? You know, yeah. <laughs> Mark Wayne Mullen. He actually said this. 
They ought to subpoena his ass up there and ask him, who who did you hug? And then, in fact, was he emotionally distraught? And how do you know that Ashley Bat was going to take his gun? Well, this is... Ashley, they are... That, oh, no, that ain't all, though. I got some more for you here, man. All right, go ahead, sir. I watched, I watched the hearings, and I watched these Capitol Hill cops get up there. Officers Harry Dunn, Aquilino Gonell, Michael Fanoni, and Daniel Hodges. And I, well, you know what I watched? I watched a, a emotional porn show. I've never seen police officers, even police officers, in peril of their lives. Look, I'm telling you, I've been at riots and demonstrations. I had to wear the black riot gear the black helmet, the black padded riot suit with the shin guards, okay? Been there, done that. Maybe it wasn't quite as bad as some of the things that went on in the Capitol, but I had to be part of a team. You know, we had a, like, we had a team standing behind the main line. It was in a wedge formation. We would arrow, arrow wedge formation would look like. It would split the crowd, and the people in the arrow, shaft of the arrow would go into the crowd to pull out people who they wanted arrested who had done specific acts of violence, particularly against police officers in line formation. I've had to do that. I've been called names like you wouldn't believe. I mean, talk about calling names, calling me N-words, calling me coons, calling me Uncle Tons, calling me every kind of name you can imagine. I never once blubbered about it. You had this one guy up there who's a political activist cop, the guy named Harry Dunn. He's up there blubbering like a big baby. I couldn't believe what I was looking at. So, man, do you realize that when you became a police officer, took the oath and pin on the badge, there are going to be people who hate your guts. In fact, will try to beat your ass and kill you? What, yeah. you surprised by this? What kind of a cop were you? I, know. I couldn't believe what I was watching up there. This is all Nancy Pelosi doing this stuff to provide justification for what's going to come out of this hearing, a crackdown on dissonance, on dissent, yeah. dissent itself. That's all this, is, this, all this theater is for. Uh, well, you're correct. It was a disgrace. Yeah. Well, real quick, real quick, Bianchi, before you get in there, you know, uh, a, a former State Department official calls for placing vaccinated people in safe havens away from unvaccinated people. So, again, this coincides with my topic here, prison, America, one big prison, and that's what we're doing, and that's what we're used to, segregating people that don't go with the, uh, the norm or the narrative of how the media or our so government actors, corporate actors, portray us as and if you're not part of the big club you're not in it you know what i mean you're not in the big club you know so uh <laughs> go ahead bianca well what this cop this capital police officer done to the babbitt is tantamount to what people want to accuse the cop that detained and incapacitated george floyd he killed her, yeah. they say. So he killed her. She was on two knees and two hands, from what I hear. Now, what kind of threat is that? And you're Actually, talking about the woman at the Capitol that was shot, Climbing right? through a window, close behind her, almost within arm's reach, were two SWAT police officers clad in black gear and carrying AR-15s. They were right behind her. 
She was going wait, to the window. She had one Are you talking about the woman inside the Capitol? Are you talking about the woman inside the Capitol? Yes. She had one foot inside the window. She had the other two hands on either side of the vertical window frame, and she was preparing to come through the window frame. She shot her in the act of doing that. She was in no position to take the shot. About five feet away. Point blank range. She was in no position to take his gun. Yes, I know. And here's another thing. If he shot her and the other cops was behind her, he put the other cops in line of danger also. I don't think he could see the other cops behind her, though. I don't think he could. There was a crowd of people. They were all trying to get through the doors, and uh, she climbed up into the window frame, and that's when he went bang and shot her right, right, right there. All right, well, take the, the cops away. Let's take them away for the sake of argument. There yeah. is no way that woman posed a threat of deadly, imminent force to him or anyone else. Correct. At that precise moment that he pulled the trigger. Yeah. And not only that, even if the cops weren't behind her, there was crowds of people behind her where a stray exactly. bullet could have went and injured or killed somebody else. Well, I think they this wanted to kill as many people as they could. Pony <laughs> show, man. It is nothing more than an attempt to justify a crackdown on dissent. Well, America's only one step away from South Africa-style social, social implosion. I'm going to tell you that right now. You know, we're well, only, only one step away. Only if you let it happen. Only if you let it happen. <laughs> if I let it happen. Well, how about this one? Let me read this one real quick here. On the global news front, I have been watching one event with special attention, mainly because it seems like almost no one else is. I'm speaking, of course, about the social and economic collapse in South Africa that has been escalating over the past couple weeks. What is strange to me is that certain perils between South Africa and the U.S. are being summarily, uh, basically ignored. Uh, the South African situation is more exaggerated version of what is happening in America, and we need to consider if it is merely a preview of future events as the extra financial protections in the U.S. begin to fall away. South Africa's government under the ANC African National Congress was already going full communist in 2018 and 2019 before the COVID pandemic. Under proposed amendments to the Constitution, they demanded that reparations – be taken from white farmers in the form of land grabs, which would then be redistributed to black citizens. This is the classic critical race theory argument, that because colonialism once existed, all beneficiaries and their supposed descendants owe dues to the descendants of indigenous people who lost their lands. The problem is only the descendants of white colonists are required to pay dues. This is exactly the same path that socialist Marxists in the Democratic Party are pursuing in the U.S., with some states and cities demanding reparations for blacks be written into law because of slavery nearly nearly 200 years ago. The reparations movement is tiny, but like all other social justice initiatives, is gaining power because politicians and corporations are supporting it artificially. Why? That's easy. It's all about divide and conquer. Go ahead there, Sarge. Well, I got a, I got a question. I'm you, I really, man, I, look, we're now looking at what happens when you mix critical race theory with democracy. You know, you don't protect yeah. the rights of the minority. That's what our, our, our constitutional republic does, is to ensure that no matter what the majority votes for, 
The minority's rights are protected. It doesn't matter how many people want to lynch and string up a rapist, a child rapist or molester. That molester is entitled under our Constitution to due process under the law. No matter how many people want to do away with them, immediately. That's right. And that's, that's the right. difference between a republic that protects the rights of the minority and a democracy combined with critical race theory. You now see what awaits us if we let it happen. That's well, right. I got that's a right. question and, to both yeah. of you. Go ahead, Bianca. Go ahead. I got a question. Why come this administration don't offer one and a half or two million whites to come here and seek refuge? From South Africa. There you go. There you go. Immigration, right? I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, let's they offer. Go for Democrats. That's why. <laughs> like with the Cubans. Wait a minute. <laughs> let's offer one and a half to two million South African whites refuge here in the United States. Give them what? How much did New York give their illegals? The same amount. dollars Give them twelve thousand yeah, dollars yeah. apiece. So that yeah. they can relocate under the protection and the comfort of the United States and get away from yeah. the tyranny that they're being experienced. The they won't vote for demon rats. Get the rubber ducky boats. We'll get them all like the Cuban uh, crisis. There it's never happened. Yeah, you know, right convince them that they're uh, bub, bub, from uh, El Salvador or something. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it's insane, but that's a good point. And that's, so, what we should, uh, that's what should what be demanded. Them, what we, we don't call them, them refugees. Them as to who they are. They won't allow <laughs> people who won't vote for demon rats. <laughs> well, then we need to, oh, you know? well, see, here's the thing. you got to bring out the hypocrisy within these groups. See, we know that's what's going point. on. We know what's yeah. going on. So let's offer one and a half to too many white South Africans who are being brutalized, who are being threatened, who have re- who has been lowered to the point of refugee, let's offer them refuge here in the United States and yep, then distribute yep. them around the area, well, around the country, in some of your depleted cities. There you go. But believe me, <laughs> it ain't going to fly with the Biden administration in charge. <laughs> Well, no, now, now, wait a second, because they're white, what we got to do is where we got to put them. We'll put them in Washington, D.C., or what? Or put them with the farmers. You know, give them farmland. We'll give them dairy farms. Put them in, North, put them in about 500,000 in Georgia. They got to go to a blue state. <laughs> oh, okay. Put about right, well, 500,000 in Georgia. Put about 200,000 in Texas, states that they're trying to turn purple. Yeah. Well, South Africa, you know, the government's response to the COVID is, is so brutal and ongoing. The lockdowns are some of the most strict in the world. You know, uh, with, you know, I mean, it's just it's terrible. It's terrible over there. I mean, it's really bad. But uh, it's coming over here, though. It's coming. It's coming, man. And whatever happens over there, South Africa, Australia, and Europe comes here eventually. You know, and assume sooner than uh, later, I think this is coming. And they're talking August. They're saying this thing's going to hit the fan in August. That's what they're saying. The Great Reset. That's what they're saying. It's coming. It's coming. And we played it here on this show, you know. But nobody wants to pay attention. Nobody wants to listen. Nobody cares. Everybody's too busy. You know, I mean, uh, I don't know. I just don't know. Well, you know, uh, uh, Joseph, if people are just sitting on their hands, what else can you say? 
My goodness, what I you want? Know. You don't play every historical similarity of what you're seeing played out here that has played out, unfortunately and disastrously, in history and elsewhere around the world with other yeah. groups. We need voices, Bianca. We need voices. We can't do it on just one podcast show. We got to unite the people on the airwaves. The alternative, you're not going to do it on Fox News. You're not going to do it on the TV until we get our own TV show. Well, I guess maybe we won't be heard anywhere. You know, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think, Sarge? Uh, you know, I, I, you know, the thing about getting people united is that you're going to have to go to people who have an inclination to be united. We can't assume that yeah. we can unite people even with a good message. But there are people out there who show the inclination to unite around causes they have a, a shared belief in. Those are the people yeah. you have to get. They're not going to get everybody. They didn't get everybody during the American Revolution. That was yeah, what yeah, only 3%. About. Maybe, what, 10% actively participating in the revolution? 3%, sorry, 3%. They say it was a little okay. bit less than 3%. There you go. But you don't need everybody. Well, Remember, you don't need everybody. You need yeah. a substantial number that is committed. Well, after this show here, I'm heading over to Coast to Coast there with Eddie. We know Eddie comes on here on this podcast, so he asked me to come over there. Hopefully you guys will join me over there. We're going to go raid his show and uh, call in jump onto his topics there. You know, this is what we got to do. We got to uh we got to keep the voice going. Look, we're all here in the evening time usually doing this podcast show. We need voices. I mean, I know, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we're hitting 20,000 people here during throughout a 24-hour period on my podcast. 20,000. I got 20 21,000 listens over uh over uh uh 24-hour spans. Whether they're downloading, listening, clicking on it, going away, whatever they do, calling in, whatever. So, you know, uh, we need more net. You need more net to make a change. You know, you, we got to. You got to. I mean, you know, I, I like I said, I just don't know how else you said like-minded people. But how many like-minded people are out there, Sarge, that aren't at work having to, you know, that can't oh, do it? Can't I think, do it. Oh, I think there are literally millions. I think you can easily get this. Remember, there's 330 million people in this country. I know it is possible to get 15 to 20 million of them. I know this. Well, the only I got more people them. listening in Siberia than I got in America. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is, is that I know it's possible to get that many people in a yeah, right. Look, if we show they stole this election from Donald Trump conclusively in four of these states, like it looks like we're going to get now, then I know they can be got. I know they can be got. Even though that yeah. doesn't mean you get the election overturned. They'll be there You're for right. something else. Well, closing and thoughts. I had to convince right, They're winding down on me. Bianca, you want to give closing thoughts to the show? And then, Sarge, I'll let you tonight go last. What's up there? Go ahead, Bianca. Go ahead, take a couple Sarge, minutes. Sarge, I had to convince Joseph that he is the day that some of these black voices be talking about that Booker T. Washington talked about. When he said there's another class of colored people who make a business of keeping the trouble, <laughs> the wrongs, and the hardship of the Negro race before the public, having learned that they are able to make a living out of their troubles. They have grown into the settled habit advertising their own, partly because they want sympathy and partly because it pays, Joseph. Yeah. 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 If I got news for you, folks, like Bianchi is, is alluding to, 
Uh, critical race theory and anti-racism is a big racket now. There is big money to be made, and it ain't just black folks trying to cut themselves in on it. There's a lot of white folks. There might be even more white folks trying to cut themselves in on all this dotas out there with the anti-racism racism lectures, the diversity consultants, and all this other jive. Believe me, it's big money out here in this racket. Yeah, yeah. like Tim Wise. You remember him, Joseph? The white guy used to no. get around. Oh, my goodness. No, I don't. Man, what part of town do you grow up in? <laughs> Sarge. I told yeah. you we were privileged, Sarge. <laughs> I guess so. Amen. Amen. I could think of a hundred ways I could make money in the anti-racism racket if I really want to put my mind to it. Well, me well, and you were discriminated yeah. against yesterday because we're black, right? These people can't withstand criticism. They cannot debate us. They can only narrate. And when we start exposing the narration for what it is, then they engage in Saul Linsky's 12 rules for radicals, personalize it, polarize it, and freeze it, meaning you insult and critique, criticize the person making the comments and not the issue itself. You could be right, Sarge. You could be right. Well, I'll tell you what, tomorrow night we'll be on 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll go back into the prison depth conversation there. And, uh, you know, I went even went to groups there talking about that word that that say prisoners' rights and put it on. And I didn't see one of them messaging me back. So, you know, hey, you know, we don't know who's phony and who's real out there. But I'll tell you one thing, I'm real. I know Sarge's real. Whatever you do. I know Bianca's real. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever you do, Joseph, don't let them put their hands on your forehead. If they do, you gone. You lost. That's what <laughs> I, I heard. Hey. hey, real quick. Hey, I have a friend that's going in for surgery. He said I got to take the COVID test to get to go before I go to surgery. I said no, no, don't do it, don't do it. You know, and, and you know, but now I got to, I got to, you know, this that, and this is a person that's awake. It's still giving in, still giving in. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I just don't know where to go. They're scared. Or what, what to say. They're afraid. Death make a They're person afraid. afraid. I see you guys. Fear. I might yeah, meet you on right. that other show. What's that show yeah, name again? Show. Hey, everybody. 516-453-6058. 516-453-6058. Heading over there next. See you guys later. Good night. Good night. Good night. Oh, yeah. We'll try. I'm trying to wrap it up here. It won't let me. <laughs> there oh, goes. If anybody wants to protest what we do or violate what we oh, want, we just turn off the chip. That's right.
support is all right. Why we've been so quiet? Where all the Trumpies at, right? That's what I've been hearing. We've been here the whole time. We don't need a safe space. We don't burn down our cities. We don't riot when things don't go our way. And if we lose a fair one, then we accept defeat with humility. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.